0: Good thing that we're going to hear this uh, the stealing sermon again next week because the kids can use uh, another, another time through on that. We're going to get this. We're going to get this one way or the other. So I got the call last night. Let's see here. It's about midnight or so. It's actually the text. I got the text last night at about midnight. And I immediately go to a flowchart in my head, as I'm sure many of you do when this happens. Uh <laughs> Alright, I have gotten a call and it is late because my brain isn't working right now. It's either a wrong number, in which case dismiss it, ignore it, go back to sleep, or it's a right number and that's bad. It's always bad to get a call at midnight. So, look, pull it out, it's text, Julia, uh oh. Alright, it's Julia. There, I can't think of no good reason why Julia would be trying to contact me at midnight right now. So, it's about David. Something's happened to David, and I'm I'm groggy, I'm, I'm processing. Processing as quick as I can. Okay, David has been in a car accident. Why would David be out driving? Has he been at the club? Has David been at a club? What's going on here? No, okay, that's not it. So let's move on to something else. David is sick. Okay, David is sick. What's going on? Okay, read, read the text. David has a fever. David has a fever. David has typhoid. <laughs> David has dengue, uh, malaria. And it's, it, read a little bit further. It says, uh, can you pinch it for David in the morning? Pinch it for David? I'm trying to figure out why David has malaria right now. <laughs> what? Why, why am I worried about preaching if David has malaria? This isn't, I don't want to understand. Okay, wait, let's slow down here. David is sick. David can't be there in the morning. He needs me to preach for, okay, it's coming, it's coming to me. Now it's turning into a game of charades, right? Okay, okay, keep it coming. David is not feeling well, he needs me to preach for him, I can preach for him, but wait. Why are you just now contacting me at midnight? I don't understand. So now I go into the next flow sheet, flow chart comes up, okay. Why am I just finding out now, is David in the hospital? I'm concerned. I'm very concerned about all these things. Okay, so what's going on here? And then get a little bit further down, and it's the, he really wanted to preach this sermon tomorrow morning, but he's running a fever. So he can't come to church in the morning. Okay, it's coming, it's coming. David can't be here in the morning because he's contagious. Is David going to live? Okay. And then it finally hits me. He was holding out to the last minute to try to be here to preach in the morning. Finally had to acknowledge that he couldn't. And he contacted me when he did so I could have all the time possible, which isn't a whole lot of time, but as much time as possible, to know what's coming so I can be ready to preach in the morning. And that's what's going on. Yeah, I got it. All right. I figured out what's happening. It took me a few minutes. took me a few minutes to get there. And I'm 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 glorying in my, I've understood what the text means. And then Shelly, so what are you going to preach on? Don't worry about that got this all under control. This is not a problem. We're going to figure this out. And so flowchart comes up again. All right. Do you guys not use mental flowcharts when you're trying to answer? You're laughing at me. I don't understand. Is this not the way everybody approaches their their decisions in life? So we've got this going out. All right. So David's been going through the Ten Commandments. Will David just let me preach the sermon on stealing? I've got a lot to say about stealing. I'm sure I'd come up with that. No, David, he prefers to preach his own sermons. You know. So, we got all these great songs. They're set up for stealing. But you know what we can do? We can take a step back and we can talk about the Ten Commandments as a whole. Alright, so how are we going to do that? How are we going to talk about all Ten Commandments? Because in the past, I preached a sermon on the entire Sermon on the Mount. That went a little long. My last sermon, I preached a sermon on the entire Bible. That went a little long. So I feel like we're setting ourselves up to fail if I'm just going to do the entire Ten Commandments as an overview. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to do it anyway. We're going to, you know, this is what's going to happen. We're going to preach on not only the Ten Commandments, but a reminder for why we're going through this series in the first place. We can do this. All right, we can do this. Enlisted a little bit of peanut comic strips to help us out. So we're going we're to get this done. We're going to remember why David started the year of the family by preaching through the Ten Commandments, which some people would say, that's a, kind of a boring approach to family talk, talking about the Ten Commandments. No, not if we remember why it is that we're going through. We've got two more to, three more to go. We've got three more to go. And so we're going to be locked in. When David comes back next Sunday morning to keep us going on commandment number eight, do not steal, we are ready for him. We have got this Ready. So, Micah, next slide. Now, sadly, when I did my peanut comic strips, it was before I realized no one can read that. So, I'm going to read for you the comic strip, which is infinitely less fun than just reading it yourself. The question is, why do we care about the Ten Commandments when we're talking about the family? That seems so Old Testamenty. Not true. Not true. Here's a comic strip. Lucy saying to Charlie Brown, I doubt any other color would have worked at all. She goes on to say, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and I'm convinced that making the sky blue was a good idea. She walks away. Charlie Brown looks after her and says, we're glad you approve there are a lot of things that we do in our lives that turn into our judgment on whether or not we think God was right to command those things of us in the first place, right? We spend most of our time evaluating if we think it was a good idea in the first place. God doesn't give us the Ten Commandments and everything else in our lives so we can decide for ourselves, You know what, God? I think you're right. I shouldn't murder people. Ah, you're, you're probably right about that. That's not why they come to us. They come to us because they're the right thing for us to do, and then it's our job to trust and obey. But it does help to remember why every once in a while. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to remember what it is about the Ten Commandments that make them great, not just for us as Christians still to follow, but particularly for us as families as individual families, parents with children, grandparents with grandchildren, however your family works, the Ten Commandments are God's prescription for us to have a healthy family. That still just sounds so Old testamenty. I just don't know about this. I don't, I don't know about this. Well, let's start with somebody that we do know about. What did Jesus have to say about laws? give you a few Bible verses. You're going to have to take your own notes, by the way. I think we're going to see David's notes again next week. So if you scribble through all of these notes, it's fine. Keep score at home. It's going to work. First thing, Matthew 19 is one of my very favorite passages, and it's the story of uh, the rich young man. We usually call him the rich young fool. But you've heard this before. I'm not going to read all. I've got a lot of verses. We're not going to read all of them. We're going to summarize some of them because we are determined, Foster, to get out on time today. It's going to happen. (laughs) Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So Jesus replies and says, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. The, the great response, which ones? Sounds like something I would ask. All right, which ones? Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. You'll find out about that next week, so just, just sit on that one. Do not give false testimony. That's still a couple of weeks off. So just you got to come back to hear what Jesus was talking about. Okay. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the young man says to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had a lot of money. One of the things that Jesus believes about law is they prove our submission. This is where it works coming off of the Easter season because what's the theme that David talked about over and over and over again? Jesus didn't like going through what he was about to go through, but he believed that God had called him to do it. Not my will, but your will be done. He says, I came to this earth to do the work that the Father has given me, and there's nothing that he gave me to do that I have not done. He asked, I did. If Jesus can obey the Father, then so can we. If Jesus believed that he should obey the Father, are we greater than Jesus? Of course not. So can we, so should we. So Jesus first approached the laws, laws of the Old Testament kind, are that they prove that we are submissive to God, that we're not sitting there picking and choosing and asking and questioning and doubting and rewriting and doing our own thing anyway, because you know I'd just rather do my own thing. It's more fun that way. We do what God tells us to do they prove our submission to God. But it goes on. If we want to go back a few chapters to Matthew chapter 5. again, not going to read all of these. In verse 17, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope you remember, we went through the Gospel of Matthew relatively recently. And we went through the Sermon on the Mount not too long ago. And hopefully you remember that Matthew wrote this Gospel as Jesus, a new kind of Moses. A better Moses. But a Moses who comes, who fulfills the promises and prophecies of God. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, not for 40 years. And then he, because he resisted the temptation to disobey God, he was given the right to give the law on a mountain. Not to receive the law on the mountain. He's a new and better Moses. And all of the Sermon on the Mount points us back to the Old Testament law, but in ways that are different. And he says here in verse 17, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Gets worse. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments, and he's talking about everything in the Old Testament, and teaches others to do the same, will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, note, it's important to realize that he's not saying that if you break all these commands, you're kept out of heaven. No, it's not believe in Jesus for salvation and obey the law. It is, believe in Jesus for salvation and you will be saved. However, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know how names work in heaven. I can't imagine they're really all that bad because you're still in heaven. All right, And no one's going to be calling you names in the first place. This is for rhetorical effect, I've decided. He's just reminding us that if you want to be the person that disobeys the laws and then by your actions tells to others, it doesn't matter if you obey God's laws, you're going to be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. But this is where things get tricky. And David's pointed out several of these as he's gone through the rest of the commandments. For example, verse 21. You've heard that it was said, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Down to verse 27. He says, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Verse 33, you've heard that it was said, don't break your oath. Keep the oath that you make to God. But I tell you, do not swear at all. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. So when Jesus looks at the law, he's actually looking into our hearts. Because the way we treat what God has told us to do reveals what we really believe inside. Yes, I know that I'm not supposed to murder anybody, but you know, I really get angry with people a lot. And I'm okay with that. Okay, well then no, then you don't understand what it is that Jesus came to do and to teach us to do. It's a mirror for us to say, I got issues. I got problems. There are things that are wrong with me on the inside, and they need to be dealt with. And of course, that is the whole point of why Jesus came, is because we cannot obey the laws. The Ten Commandments, we've all broken them all, probably today, probably within the last hour or so. Alright, that's just how it works, and so Jesus came because we can't keep them, but It doesn't mean that we then, what's the term, get out of jail free, card from Monopoly. That's the one that I hear a lot. You know what? Jesus came to die in the sins to forgive me for all my sins, so I don't need to care about the laws. I don't need to worry about whether or not I obey God or not, because I'm just going to be forgiven. So it's great. I love being me. I love this Christianity thing. It's easy. That's missing the point. And so Jesus says about the laws, one, that they prove to us whether or not we're really submissive to God in the first place. Two, they give us a chance to look into our hearts to see what we really find important. But we go on. We're going to chase that rabbit just a little bit further. What did Paul say about the laws? And now I'm going to flip a few books back to Romans. And again, not going to read this whole section. These are some great passages. If you've ever wondered some of these questions, these are great passages to go to. They're deep, but they're great passages to go to. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 7, and we're going to skip on around through here. So the people are asking Paul, then what is the point of the law? Well, why did God give us these laws that Jesus is just going to die on a cross to forgive us for every time we break them? What, what, what? seems like a lot of trouble, Paul. But Paul says, what are we going to say? Is the law sinful? No. I would not have known what sin was unless the law revealed it to me. I wouldn't have known what coveting was until the law said, do not covet. And sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. Verse 13. So, did that which was good, the law, did it all of a sudden become death to me by telling me all the things that I shouldn't do? Maybe I would have been better off just not knowing in the first place. Don't covet. If I just didn't know any laws, it wouldn't have mattered if I broke them or not. He says, by no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful, and he goes on to this great passage where he says, Look, I don't understand what I'm doing sometimes. I mean, I, I look at my behavior, I look at what, what happens out here, and I want to do good things and I don't do good things, and the things that I don't want to do are the things that I do do. I don't get it. Why am I such a mess? And he asks in verse 24, Who is going to rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he goes on, the great passage in chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. What the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of us. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. So, long story short, the law is there because it reminds us that we need help. We need a Savior. We need somebody to fix the mess that we make in our own life. And that's a good thing to remember, because otherwise we might get this embarrassing notion that we can make it that we're good enough to figure life out on our own and we aren't going to make a complete mess of things. No, we are. Despite all of our best intentions and efforts, we're going to figure out a way to screw up our own lives. The law reminds us of that. Jesus came because he knew that. And so things are going to be fixed in the long run. But if you go back a chapter into chapter 6, he adds this as well. He says, verse 1, chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God gave us the law not just to help us remember that we're screw-ups, but because when we do need help to know what to do in life, we've got answers. It's not just, <laughs> you're a mess. It's the, let's help you see how to live life in such a way that you don't keep coming back to this same mess over and over again. As, uh, as it says elsewhere, the, the dog comes back to its vomit, or the pig comes back to its sty. You don't have to! You don't have to keep living that way. You don't have to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. You can, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, become something new, and in fact, we're supposed to. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross, so that we would not be that person, so that we would be something new, and we have laws to help us know how. Now, in the Old Testament, when they had these laws and they broke these laws... Bad things happened. So they had to do this whole sacrificial system thing and they kept killing goats and bulls and sheep and just every year they'd be killing more animals as a reminder that they kept messing things up. We don't have that anymore. We have the once for all sacrifice in Jesus Christ. So we don't need the blood of goats and bulls and all that. We don't need that anymore. Jesus is the perfect, spotless, eternal Lamb of God. He's fixed all of that. But what happens is that we tend to take that for granted. We tend to think, that was a long time ago. It's on the other side of the world. Didn't actually speak that language. So I'm going to just, you know, I know what happened. Jesus, he died. He Mm -hmm. rose from the dead. Yay. I'm going to move on. That's not why God gave us the law. God gave us the law so that we would, every time we think of every decision we make, every action we take, that we would remember, wow, there but by the grace of God, I could, this could be a landmine. This very next decision I make could blow up in my face. But I know that I have a Savior who died for me, who rose again so that whatever decision I do make, it can be redeemed. It can work out for the good. And maybe if I put a little more prayer on the front side of it and a little more study of God's word, I might make the right decision the first time through. That is what we're actually supposed to be doing with all of this. God gave us these laws so that we would not forget what Jesus did for us, but that we might live every moment of our life in remembering what Jesus did for us because these laws affect Everything we do, everywhere we go, every person we see, every thought we have, God is there to help us do right by those. That is what Paul thinks of the law, because that's what Jesus thought of the law. So now let's get to where everything's actually going. We're going back. What does God have to say about the law? Going all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Another good, another good passage. They're all good. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. Moses says, Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws. Remember, and he's going to he's put the... He's not burying the lead. I guess we'll just put it that way. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God. You might remember that this is after the 40 years of wandering in the the wilderness. And so we've got a lot of bad things that happened because the people willfully and wantonly disobeyed God. And God said, this isn't how things are going to work. We're not going to start off on that foot. So, wilderness, go. Go. Remember today that your children weren't the ones who were there. Your children weren't the ones who saw the signs and wonders that happened in Egypt to Pharaoh, what he did to the Egyptian army, the Red Sea. And it's not the children who saw what happened to you in the desert when you arrived at this place. Verse 7, but it was your eyes that saw all these great things that the Lord has done. Your children haven't lived your life. They're never going to be able to live your life. It is your job to help them know what God has done in your life. Therefore, verse 8, Observe all the commands that I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Verse 13, if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you to love the Lord your God, to serve Him with all your heart and soul, then I will send rain on your land in season, autumn, spring rains so you may gather in the grain new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. But be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Verse 18 Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers. As many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. If. And then the great passage in verse 26. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessings if you obey, the curse if you disobey. Are you going to choose a blessing? Or are you going to choose a curse? Well, you put it that way, it's pretty easy. Problem for us is that in life, we don't look at it that way. We look at it as, what am I going to do in this next decision? We forget all about the cosmic battle that's been going on. And we forget all about what Jesus Christ came to do. We forget all about what the Bible tells us to do about life. And we say, okay, I need to make a decision. Let's go. Let's get there. God sets before us a blessing and a curse. Obey God, receive the blessing. Disobey God, receive the curse. Well, how many kids are conceptually able to think about things in abstract terms like that? I'm going to guess zero. It's our responsibility as parents and grandparents to teach, to model, to demonstrate for our kids how this works. Because we've seen in our own lives what happens when we obey God and what happens when we disobey God. So it might be a while after the fact when we realize, you know, I probably shouldn't have made that decision and that might explain why such and such disaster happened in my life. It could be a long time before that happens. But the point is, your kids weren't there to see that. They can only see what you've revealed to them about what happened in your life. And so it's your job then as parents for your kids to see why it's important to us to obey the law. But what's great about the passage that uh, God says through Moses to the Israelites, it's not just about you and your walk with God. It'd be enough for us to say, I need to obey God, therefore I'm going to obey God. That'd be enough. But he goes on to say, good things happen in your community. Good things happen in your family. Good things happen for your people when you obey God together. There are blessings, tangible blessings in this life. And God. Or David talked about this, that it's not just for those reasons that we do these things. That there are limits. We all know that sometimes following God sends us into dangerous places. Because the world is dangerous. The world is hates God. The darkness hates the light. And so when you shine your light into the darkness, sometimes the darkness is coming for you. But it's still the right thing that needs to happen. Blessings come for people when we obey God. Blessings come for families when we obey God. And the thing that a lot of us seem to get wrong, and this ties all back together what Paul said, why do we need to worry about all these rules. Why do I care about the Ten Commandments? Jesus is going to forgive me. What's the big deal? Our freedom in Christ does not extend to our disobedience and sin. Sin always has consequences. So you're going to choose to sin. You're going to choose to reap the consequences. And that'd be some of the curses, perhaps, that God was talking about in this passage. God believes that he gave us these rules for our good. For our family's good. For our community's good. So why do we have so many problems whether or not we're going to obey them? Why is it a question for us? And these are the little things that we do. Here's the, the, the signal that, that Shelly and I have. We're coming up. The light's about to change. Uh, you know what? i bet this light's going to change before we get there. Too, I'm not stopping. Don't look, kids! I mean, that, that, that's the signal that we put out there. Hey, kid, don't, don't watch this. We're about to run through a light. that's going to turn red on us. Is that the best approach today? Probably not. In fact, definitely not. What are we teaching our kids in the way that we approach? Let's just start with the laws of the land. I will start there. Eh? Well, once we show disrespect for law, we're showing disrespect for government. When we show disrespect for government, we show disrespect for the foundation of our economy, foundation of our uh, society, foundation for everything that happens around us. And before you know it, then boom, we've gone off a cliff. How much more important, then, is it for us to model respect for God's law, God's kingdom? And yet, how often do we actually talk about the rules of God's kingdom with our families? Not as much as we should. Not every time we sit down and walk along the road and wake up and talk about things we need to be talking about the intersection of our lives and God's rule in our lives all the time in a positive way, not a grumbling way. <laughs> not the, did you see our tax bill? Err. Okay, so what are you going to say? Do you see how much I have to tithe? Arr! Do we really want to be saying that around our kids? Is that sending the right message to anybody, let alone to God? After all, what was the passage that was read earlier? Bring your tithe to the storehouse. I have to go to church again. Gotta go at least twice a month. Okay. <laughs> what are we communicating to our kids when we take that sort of approach to these things? We're not communicating a message that will last. If they become a healthy follower of Jesus Christ, at that point it is in spite of us as their parents and grandparents. Not because of us. And God put us together because he wants us to be that model, that rule for things. Alright, so, let's wrap this up. What does God say about laws? Next slide. When we obey God's laws, and we can call the Ten Commandments, when we do that, We are teaching our children what we prioritize. We are modeling for our children what we believe. And we are proving to our children our faith in God. Jesus proved his faith to his father by going to the cross. He could not have done that. And it would have wiped out everything he said over the entire course of his ministry. And there are lots of ways that we as parents and grandparents can wipe out our credibility with our kids making a few bad decisions along the way. We don't have to do that. We can make the right decision. Here's the, uh, the, the cartoon that you can't see. Charlie Brown saying to Lucy, in the old days, they taught that the world was flat. And Lucy says, really? And Charlie Brown says, they thought that if you sailed too far, you'd fall over the edge and be swallowed by monsters. And Lucy says, Honestly? She says, that was kind of stupid, wasn't it? And then she says, oh, well, what do we believe nowadays? We've got to teach our children the right answers. We've got to teach them the right way. We've got to teach them the truth. We've got to teach them what we believe and why. And so we end with this. What if we disregard God's laws. And we'll give you the the great old-fashioned lessons in parenting. The, uh, The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You reap what you sow. And then sometimes the old block gets chipped. I had to make that one up because it just didn't work. You get the chip off the old block. You guys have heard that phrase. Well, what happens when there's some chipping that went on when that old block got chipped? And this is where children turn out the way that, on the path that we have set them on. Let's put it that way. It's our responsibility as parents not to set our children down a road that leads to a life that we don't want for them. As parents and grandparents, we want our kids to have a great life. But we know that great life is a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. A life of following Jesus. Of waking up in the morning and saying, God, I'm bearing a cross for you because there's a world in desperate need. That's the life that we want for our children. That's what we want for ourselves. And we want that to be our family's impact on the world that lasts long after we're gone. And it starts with these little things like the Ten Commandments. Obeying them Teaching your children why we obey them. This last cartoon that you can't read. Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Our family has solidarity. Our family has loyalty. And here comes Linus carrying his blanket. Why don't you stop dragging that stupid blanket around you, blockhead? And then she turns back to Charlie Brown. And love for one another. All the talk that we can talk is actually about the life that we live. Do we, by our actions, negate everything that we have said and taught? That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. It's not just saying things that we need to believe. It's about doing the things that God wants us to do. Modeling that for our children and then helping our children become the person that they're supposed to be. So, next week... We come back, David jumps back in at commandment number eight, do not steal. Reminder for everybody why we care about this stuff in the first place. Because God knows what's best for us. They're not words on a page. They're rules that he wants us to live by. Rules that are for our good. they only make a difference if we actually do something with them. And so then, to tie back to where we were last week, remembering that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that all of the screw-ups that we have made would be fixed, that they would not keep us from God, our response to that is not then to go continue to live in screwing up because, hey... Jesus died for us, so I'm just going to keep on getting grace through Jesus Christ. No, the way that we respond to that is to say, God, out of gratitude for everything that Jesus has done for us, I am going to live my life for Him. I am going to do everything I can to help my children live their lives for them, my grandchildren, everybody that's out there. I am making that decision. That is the commitment that I'm making. The, the verse that happens at the end of When I Survey that, It demands our life, our soul, our all. That is what we get through the Ten Commandments. So I don't know what other decision you might need to make as a result of this. If you're here today, and let's never assume otherwise, if you realize that you have not just an interest (laughs) in obeying God's law, but you really don't care, maybe that's a signal that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's start there. Nothing else matters in the world beyond do you know that Jesus Christ came to this earth, die on a cross, rise from the dead, not just because it's a great story, but because he wants to make a difference in your life. If you've never actually thought about that, in just a moment, as there's a singing going on, come on down and talk to me about this, and we will we'll talk. Let's talk about what Jesus did for us and what we're supposed to do in response. Maybe you're here, and you just need to stop what you're doing and pray and thank God I have not really been taking my Christian life very seriously recently. Help me get back on track. Stop and pray. If you need to have somebody pray with you, come on down to the front, talk to your neighbor, pray. It's never too late to make the right decision and say, tomorrow, today, the next minute, I'm going to do the right thing. God help me continue to keep doing it. Maybe you're here and you just say, hey, I want to join this church. There's really no good segue out of that one. If you're here and you say, I don't really have a community of people around around me that are going to help me make the right decision. I need people in my life. Well, there are people here that want to do that. Come on down and talk to me during this song and let's talk about plugging you in here at First Baptist Church. Let's talk. Whatever it is that you need to decide, we're going to pray. I want you to think about that. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you decided not just to tell us what to do, not just to tell us to choose the blessing and not choose the curse, but You knew that we would fail to make the right choice. And You had a plan in place to fix the mess that we made. That You sent us Jesus to model for us what life could be, what life should be. And You gave us through Him Access to the power that raised Him from the dead to allow us to be Your children so that we could teach our children what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, we don't deserve any of this. Help us not appreciate it, but be grateful. Lord, as we sing, stir in our hearts whatever it is that needs to be done so that we can live our lives better for You In the presence of our families and our communities, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Whatever decision you need to make, please make it.